Welcome to the Casual Fridays REI podcast, where you'll learn about the wildly profitable niche of land investing. Active land investors Adam Southey and Justin Sleva are here to share their experiences with you so that you can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this highly lucrative niche. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Adam Southey here with my co-host, Justin Sleva, and this is the Casual Fridays REI podcast today. We're talking about dominating 2022, our advice for the new and seasoned investors. Before we dive into that, though, let's talk about the Casual Fridays land flipping blueprint. Guys, thinking about getting into this niche, you've got to check this out. We've taken all the knowledge we gained through the years of consulting and hundreds of clients and put it into this course. It's in an easy to follow video format. It's got all the contracts, scripts, and forms that we use in our daily business. And everyone that joins gets a free one-on-one training with either myself or Justin. So if you're interested in learning more, all you got to do is go to our website at casualfridaysrei.com. Click on the training tab, check out, and get started. Man, it feels like it's been since last year since we talked to you on the hey, show. <laughs> had to start it off with a had to start it off with a dad joke for 2022. Well, welcome. Yeah, man, it's it's a uh, it's a new year, new me. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, this year, I'm coming into it, and there's a there's a couple things that are like resonating in my head that I, I think last year I took the first half of the year for me. This year, I think I'm going to be a little bit more selfish, and it's not going to be first half for me. It's just going to be kind of one of those. If you're not pushing me to be better. I don't need you in my life, and and, and, you're, and it's no hard feelings. I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna waste my time talk, trying to talk to you. I'm just gonna slowly fade out, and you're gonna be like, man, whatever happened to that guy? Then you know you weren't pushing me. Well, that's reasonable. I, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's at this point in my life, and I, and I, you're getting there. You're not quite forty yet. I'll turn forty this month. You know, I'm a little bit older. Uh, it's just at that point where I've only got so much time and so much energy, and if it's not energy that's creating more. I would say currency value for me as a life. It's not filling my cup. I'm not going to waste my time with it. Yeah. It has, I think that has a lot to, well, what you're saying, it's only saying around the people who like push you better. It's like that, uh, your closest five or seven friends or whatever, or what your net worth is. Yeah. 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 That could be, have a lot to do with that. Cause if the people aren't pushing you to be better, if they're not helping, they're not, they're going down, they're going direction you don't want, then it's not necessarily somebody in your circle. Yeah, man. I, I agree with that. I, I think for me, What's really eye-opening in the last year is some of the deals that we've started getting into and how much more complex they are. And now I find myself in a place where I, I'm confused by some stuff, not because of the deal. The deal is pretty much, they're, they're all the same. You know, what's it worth? Can we make money on it? How do we get the money for it? Do you know we use private money? Do we use leverage? Do we combine the two? Do we use our cash? And that stuff's all pretty easy for me. It's the ancillary stuff, the, the extra stuff that's out there that I just, I don't understand well enough. It's like that the tax strategists and what you're doing with this. Is it time to start peeling money off, putting it over here? Can you do use this for that? And it's just, it really, really, it's humbling me, I guess you could say in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned that during lunch the other day. It's, <clears throat> it's definitely a growth strategy. You get to that point where, well, some people won't ever get there, but I mean, you're there and now you, <laughs> some people won't ever get there. Way to, way to uh, make them feel bad in 2022. Huh? Hey, no, if you're listening to the show, you're in the right spot, but mm-hmm. come on, let's be real. There's going to be people who want to start a new business this year and a month into it, it's going to be too hard or take too much time or whatever. And they'll be done. Yeah, I do. Like, I, I agree with you. I like a, a girl I go see at the gym a lot. Her and her husband started an LLC and it took them like three weeks to do the LLC. And I'm like, well, we'll just do the paperwork and just that, oh, we just got to make sure this is really what we're going to do. Well, you're wanting to start the business and you need a, they have to have the license for this business. You need the LLC for the insurance and the license to do it. So it all starts there. Just do it. Okay. Well, we're thinking about how we're going to do it and you know what we're doing. And they're just going through that whole 
Rigam Row, and I think a lot of people do that. And I, I know today's show, today's show is about you know advice for new investors for 2022, and then advice for seasoned investors. And I, there's two different there's two different people there that you're talking to with that. It's an advice for a new investor is going to be different than advice for a seasoned investor. So you know, and, and it's it's funny to me as we've gone through this journey, and we're five, six years. Is it six coming on? Maybe seven. April, I think, is six. Okay. April 6th. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I go back and forth all the time because I can never remember if it was 15 or 16. I went went full-time in 17. And so it would have been 16 for me is when I started. So this would be 16 16 to 21 is 5. Mm -hmm. 22 is 6. So six years in. And the difference of getting involved in a business or a deal, just the, the snap process or the amount of money that that risk tolerance has changed so much and I, I like i said so that that perspective and that risk tolerance and that idea of what is what has changed so you know it changes your whole life though and how you do things yeah uh, i mean you're right you're absolutely okay. right and then kind of this whole thing today talking about advice we we actually started what came to my mind when we were talking about the show is advice for new people yeah but we don't just have new people that listen to us no we don't so we got a bunch of Seasoned. We've got people that are on the way to being seasoned. We've got a solid mix. <laughs> I'm glad you add that in there because that's, and we talked to this a little bit before the show, but what makes somebody a seasoned investor? And that's, that's a, you know, to somebody, we may not be seasoned investors. Oh, you didn't ride this dip in 2008. You didn't do this or you didn't do that or whatever that may come to. But it's, it's, you know, I've seen people that have done this for four and five years that have done one or two deals and that's, and they're, they feel like they should be seasoned because they've been around long enough, but they haven't actually done enough deals. And then I know other guys that have knocked out, you know, 40 or 50 deals in their first year have seen some problems come up and they know how to work through them. And to me, they're almost more seasoned than that person that's been around for four or five years. Mm-hmm. Well, a word you just said there is actually, I think what may be a good definition of what makes someone seasoned uh-huh. is problems. How okay. many problems have they gone through and fixed? <laughs> how, how many problems and how can you get through it real quick? And I, I think that's funny because as Rachel sits in here with me and she'll be like, she'll have a concern or a problem real quick. I'm like, Hey, call this, or this is what needs to happen. It's just a quick you know, reflex. And I always say that when you get into something for a year or two and you're fully engaged and you're looking at it, you don't realize how much you've learned until you're having to explain it to somebody and what it comes out and how you're able to talk to them about it. And, and to the detail without looking at anything, it's not like, Oh, I have to Google this. It's like, Oh, it's this affidavit of airship in this state. It's going to be this, this, and this, you need this form here. Oh, okay, cool. Oh shit. Did I actually know that? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that pretty good way to define yeah. it right? right yeah i didn't i didn't know that until you said the word problem but i think <laughs> so you're, you're defining seasoned by well-worn problem-ridden investor yeah someone who's been through it and they came out the other side they and they're, the they're other, still doing it yeah it didn't shut them down yeah okay fair enough i like that i like that so if you had to give advice to a new one a new investor what would be your advice well my advice always is and always has been. And someone gave this advice to me when I got started in real estate, like okay. as, as a realtor was like, don't be afraid to go after the bigger deals up front. Okay. And, and I actually, someone came to me the other day and said, you know, Hey, I'm brand new to this. I don't have any experience. I don't have this. I don't have that. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the small deals and I'm going to start looking at wholesaling. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, okay, there's some merit in that to learning mm-hmm. it, learning the business and you can make a little bit of money. And there's people who make a really good living only doing those small deals. But mm-hmm. like, it's a lot more work, and I think the I think I could be wrong, but I think the only reason why people go new people go after the smaller deals is because they don't have the confidence and they don't have all this. Uh, they may not feel like they have the money, they may not feel like they have the experience to talk to someone who has a bigger piece of land mm-hmm. or all this, and so that's why they 
feel like they need to go after the small ones. But my advice is to be like, don't like like go. The easier ones are e- the bigger ones can be easier to yeah. to do because you don't have to do everything. And I, I like that one. I I I I take that as you know, if you don't have the money, you can bring a partner on. The partner does the same thing the person you're wholesaling to does. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna bring me a wholesale deal and I look at it, and I'm like, oh yeah, I like this deal. I'll give you the four thousand or five thousand dollars assignment fee or the thousand dollars assignment fee. Versus if you said, hey, I want a partner on this, I look at it, deal for deal. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna wholesale it from you, I'm gonna buy it. If I'm gonna probably buy it at wholesale from you, I probably would fund the deal too, and you're gonna make more money. Yeah, exactly. That's my that's my point right yeah. there. Is like if you're gonna wholesale a land deal, let's say it's. I don't know, but you're buying it for ten thousand dollars. You're gonna flip it. A, a reasonable wholesale price for something is not that high. Yeah, you're looking at two grand, maybe five grand. Yeah, maybe. You, I I don't know that I would ever buy a deal that's got less than fifty percent wholesale yeah. on land. Yeah, and so why would you want to do that when there's money partners everywhere in this niche? <laughs> They're everywhere, everywhere, and so you're gonna make more just by finding someone. And if you find a money partner. Mm-hmm. Well, they may know more than you. They may be seized. Yeah. They may have been through some, some yeah. problems. They, you know, you're going to learn something. Uh, I I agree with everything you say because I I'm just going back through the four or five deals that we I bought last month as a money partner, and you know there was some things that were hairy, and it was just like a hey, quick this this and this is what needs to be done. Where that person just didn't know. Where for me it was just real easy point and click, and hey, this is the right person to call here in that state. And so then that makes a huge difference. And you talk a difference of you make a grand to two grand wholesaling. Or you make fifteen or sixteen grand being a money partner deal, which is going to rocket your business. Which was, was going to the trajectory changes pretty quickly with that. Mm-hmm. Would you give different advice? Or? I I don't I, I think I would because I want to go more onto the the mentality piece of this. And there's going to be so many new investors that are hung up in a does direct mail work or b did my mom agree with me doing this business or my spouse? You know, there's going to be so much noise coming at them. I would tell them, and and this goes for people that have been in this for a few years and just can't seem to get traction. The common thread I've seen with that, and it's two spectrum, is they've got so much noise coming from every Facebook group, every course they've taken. They could have five courses under their belt, and they're like, I got it. You know, I'm the most educated land investor there is in the world. But they can't implement it because they've got something stuck in their head, and it's just creating too much noise. I would say strip down the noise, strip down and concentrate on one proven method and, and work through it. Just and that and we know that the deal has to you have to find it either on market or off market. We find on market and we force appreciation. So that's that's one tactic. Other tactic, what most people should start with is trying to find off market at a really discounted rate and then bringing it to the market. Now you added in having them use a money partner. Well, that gets a second set of eyes on it. The risk isn't quite as much on them. Their risk is their marketing material. Just getting the deal, getting finding those deals. You have to just focus and push through that. You have to get rid of the noise and focus and keep your head down and move forward. So that that would be the advice I give to them because I see so many people get hung up in that analysis paralysis or, well, everybody says this doesn't work or so-and-so said they're going to create a seven-figure job for me or deal business for me if I follow this and get rid of the noise, get the mail out, and look at deals. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Uh, and It's hard when you start a new business to not want to – tell people about yeah. it or it's hard not to be like in Facebook groups and looking around for new stuff. Cause you're new and you don't know a ton, mm-hmm. but I almost feel like you should not, I mean, not necessarily, but like don't go around just telling everybody because you don't really know who's got your side. Most people are naysayers, especially if they've been at a job forever. <laughs> yeah. And then when you tell them you're going to go buy land and, mm-hmm. that you've never seen and you're gonna do it remotely and whatnot, most uh-huh. people are going to be even more skeptical. Yep. And so that could definitely be, eat into your 
uh, mindset. It it kills your self confidence, and it's and it's one of the the most tr- your your confidence, your self esteem, your trust in yourself has to it has to be unwavering in this entrepreneurial experience because you can't just turn it on and off. You can't be like, oh, you know, I can't do this because I'm this. You you have to be confident in what you think is going to happen. That doesn't being confident. It doesn't mean you can't be scared. You can be scared at any part in this thing and be like, you know, this is a little nerve wracking. Oh, I got that little feeling in my stomach. But you have to be willing to keep pushing forward. If you know the deal is worth more than you're paying for it and you're going to make a profit and you're happy with that profit, you got clean title, good access, move forward. Just all, just all you have to do. You just need to look at as many deals as you can and however that happens and then make sure they make money. Agree. How does, well, I don't want to put you on the spot. I yeah. talk about how, how does this advice change for the seasoned person? You know, yeah. I've been sitting over here thinking, for my, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I oh, know you're good. I didn't mean, uh, I'm sorry. I've been, uh, I've been thinking about it since we got started and it's like, well, I know the two things that immediately jumped to me, mm-hmm. but, um, but because we just defined what is a seasoned person, mm-hmm. like, well, God, now there's so much a different, okay. Are we giving advice to the person who's been doing this for four years and done one deal? No, that's or- a new person to me. And I, I think that's a, that's a, that's not a seasoned person. And I, I think the, the, you've defined it early on with the problems. Have, have you weathered the problems that came out the other side? And it's, it's to me is that seasoned investor. It's like, what can you take on now? What is that next thing for you? And I and I don't want to tell everybody it's subdivisions or it's development or it's commercial, it's whatever, because some guys have made businesses that are flipping, you know, bass boat style properties and they're flipping a shit ton of them a month and their business is making a killing. They're doing well. You know, they they have got that part figured out and they shouldn't veer from that. They've built the machine. They've got the teams in place. Their, their machine is working really well. I would say that person needs to dial in their machine a little bit more. And then see what they can add slowly to it to to increase that because there is something to be said about having multiple legs to your business, and that being like your mortgages, your 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 if if that's mortgage when I say mortgage, you know your owner finance stuff. Are you creating wealth for the next ten years? You know that question you're asking yourself. Are we creating wealth? Or are we just making a quick buck? And how do you put that into the rest of your business? And that that may be you moving into a different niche. It may be helping, you know, apartment people find apartments off market because you are really good at finding deals. It may be finding houses off market. It's, it may be a shift out of land, but it could be taking land and doing something like simple splits. It could be getting really involved in like what Mike Marshall does and doing the entitlement stuff and and figuring out what that is. But you don't want to just change your whole business. You want to see what you can easily add into it. And it may be something as simple as, Hey, I've got this 40 acre because I'm really good at desert stuff, 40 acres in Cochise. I'm going to make it four tens mm-hmm. and, and you work through that process and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think mine was essentially the same thing. I was going to maybe word a little differently, but I think exactly what you said is kind of what I'm thinking. I was going to say like, never stop growing. Yeah. If you're really good, like you said, at what you do, buying and selling bass boat properties and really good at it. Well, maybe you refine your business a little bit and you mm-hmm. become more of the captain of the ship instead of the being o- in operations officer, right? Yeah. The guy running everything. And then you start looking for other things that you can, um, I forgot what the word you said, but like other niche, other ways to make money inside yeah. of what you're really good at, you know, like you said, the mortgages, or maybe that's doing subdivides or whatever mm-hmm. that is, but you need to constantly be thinking, investing in yourself, yeah. looking at other ways to grow your business because just having one source of income isn't always great because ba- while flipping bass boat properties may be great right now, what if the market completely shifts and now you're you're left. You're just left hanging the hanging the bag. And know? I, I, I think that COVID tested a lot of the seasoned people. I will say COVID's probably been the best for a lot of people's businesses. They they will have had a a couple years like we've probably not seen, 
Um, the flip side of that is it's been a little bit harder to get deals because people are talking real estate. There is extra money, so that buy opportunity is not quite where it used to be. So during that time for me, I started pivoting and putting everything on owner finance, like offering it with 30% down, up to 12 years, 10% interest, because I wanted to know that I had some running room on, on in the event that you know the market slows down, I'm holding stuff, I still have revenue coming in. But then started the learning about other private money type deals. Is it not necessarily just a I'm a capital partner in land deals, but what does private money look like as hard money? What does it look like as you know bridge loans and things like that? And started adding that because we have capital that sits and it's not at work. So how can I deploy it and get it back in a reasonable amount of time? And then for me, it was my one of my end goals was to buy into an apartment fund last year. We finished that on the thirty first to get the tax depreciation. You know, so you know there's twists and turns to this now generating a good amount of income selling bass boat properties and living the dream, making $250,000, a year doing that is great. But how much are you keeping that and putting back to work to where it's protected? Mm-hmm. And that's where my whole head is this year. I mean, 21 and 20 were both really good years. I'm, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm sitting very well financially. And now this year, from the deals that, like partner deals have gone in on with you and other things we've got going on, like I've already, assuming everything sells the way expected to sell, <laughs> This first half of the year, I've made more money, th- more money than I made in 21, which was the highest amount of money I've ever made. You've leveled up again. Yeah. And so, so how do you protect that and keep and keep working? Because you don't need that much money to live. No, no, absolutely not. And so now my whole focus is like, okay, the like you said earlier, the the wealth part of it, mm-hmm. like putting that money into things that I know it's secure. It's going to always fund things and essentially be at that point where if I wanted to, which I'm not at that point, but if I wanted to just stop working after this year. <laughs> yeah, I I. I thought about that. I went and saw one of our subdivides this last weekend. I went to Sutton County. We have another one going down there. It's 1,556 acres. Uh, Adam's in on it with me, and we have uh, Josh and Shane, and Trevor is our, our guy down there again. And uh, I went and spent some time. I saw Trevor out there the first day, rode around with his boys, and we had my two twins with us. And it was just nice to see that it was quiet. We're out away from everybody. But getting to actually visualize and see, because so often we, we trade this paper. It's 5 acres, 10 acres, 40 acres, 120 acres. But getting out and seeing what 1,556 acres looks like in person is is mind-boggling because you you may if you owned it, like we own it, but if you live there, chances are you're never going to walk every square foot of that thing. Well, pretty good chance. It really is. And so it, it's, it's you know, two and a half square miles that you, you, you just kind of get used to the trails that you're on. You're looking around and, you know, you could get lost on there for days. But it puts in perspective, you know, that – the, the mass change between a quarter acre coastal lot and then a 1,556 acre deal that we have going out there. And, you know, it's what do we do? Do we need all the profits from that or do we reinvest it? And do you keep reinvesting in other subdivides or do you start peeling pieces of that off and putting it into other niches that are compassive? And I hate the term passive because I think it's used as a buzzword too much. But like apartment syndications where your funds or you're in funds like that, they're pretty passive. You know, you, you get accredited, you put your stuff in there and you get to that point you should start using that to your benefit. Well, I would agree. I mean, you put yours in on December 31st, and I think the first you got a paycheck from uh, it. I put it on the 30th. I got everything approved. 31st, I got a paycheck. Yeah. So, which I thought was really weird. I saw I had a check in there. I go, wait a second. Why do I have this? Like a deposit. And I was like, that was the easiest money I've ever made because I didn't lose my money. It's still yeah. sitting there. Yeah, and at the end of January, which will be your first full month, you'll yeah. get a full month's uh, do they call it rent? What do they call it? Disbursement? Yeah, disbursement? Preferred. Yeah. Right. And you will have, I'm going to guess, I'm going to go on a, on a okay. limb here, but I'm going to say you will have done zero work in January for that money. Oh, yeah. No, zero. <laughs> none. I might have I might have opened an email with a K1, yeah. hopefully. And so you're, 
by that your hourly is pretty high at that point. It really is, and it does. Yeah. It could, it's and the cool thing for me is it's my duplex money that came out. I just put the money I invested in a duplex, the the same money that I put into buying the duplex and rehabbing it. I just pulled that and moved it over there before the end of the year. So I kept the profit from flipping the duplex for life, living, funding, whatever that that bucket of money is. But the money that was already invested for me to have doors, I just moved it to the other thing. And now I do nothing. I don't have to get a text message from the guy because he's seven days late on his rent and he has COVID and he has no money. And I don't get a call because he has a pet there that he's not supposed to have because he didn't realize he wasn't supposed to have a pet. I don't have any of that issues anymore. I just look at my deposit when it comes in. And those were monthly issues, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, but it needed to get sold. I mean, that thing, it was a beast to get sold. And I don't know if our realtor, the realtor I used on that one listens to the show, but Jacqueline, shout out. You stayed in. She's a bulldog. I would recommend her highly in the DFW area. I know Adam's a realtor, so if you feel like you need to go with somebody. But I would say she fought for, fought to get this one closed, and she she well-deserved her, her discounted rate she gave me because I made her agree to that when she brought me the deal off market up front. And a fun story about her, I started working with her mom probably eight years ago, nine years ago, and her mom broke into a house with me so we could see it because the builder wouldn't answer his phone, and we set the alarm off and had to call and get it. So it runs in the family. They're great, great realtors. So I would, I would I'd recommend both of them for that. Allegedly. Allegedly. We, we talked to the owner. He was okay with it afterwards, but he was a little hot. He, she said, my clients are in for till 9 o'clock tonight. You, you're not answering. We want to show your house. We want to sell it for you. If you want to sell it, let us in. Mm. He said, yeah, you're right. Then we didn't make an offer on the house. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't for us. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. So okay. you got anything for the season? You, you, you finished up on the season. Anything else you'd want to throw out there for anybody in, in general? No. Well, I think that's just the standard advice I always give. Like, like, like let, let's be real. This is, this is a business. Yeah. This is not a get rich quick overnight thing. Uh-huh. Some people are going to do this for a year, two years before they, three years before they finally have their first, first big year. Mm-hmm. My advice to everyone though, is like, put your head down, focus, mm-hmm. stay away from shiny objects. Yeah. If you need help, reach out. If yeah. you just continue to do the work and learn, you are eventually, you're going to get where you want to be. Yeah. And the people who fail at business, for some, you know, lot, they just give up. Right? Yeah. There's a ton of people who give up. And, like, I'm not saying go spend every dollar you have and just keep making mistakes and mistakes after mistakes. But yeah. there's something to be said about the person who puts their head down and doesn't quit and, and gets through it. And uh, I'm sure eventually. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'll echo that, that sentiment 100%. And it is not a – it doesn't look bad as you as a person if you reach out and say, hey, I need a little help. What looks bad is if you play the victim. And you're not willing to step up and, and own it because as a business owner, hence the last word owner, hence the last, the P, the meaning to that is own it, get involved, own your business, own your shit and move forward. Cool. All right, guys, that's it for today. We hope you seriously hope you have a, a very solid 2022. We'll be here with you every Friday. Um, so as always do us a favor, go to Facebook, YouTube, and Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, give us a like, follow, subscribe, and then go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to wherever else you're listening to us, like, review, and subscribe to the show. Appreciate it. Love you. See you next Friday. See you guys.